This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Everybody, Two Spaces with Josie. I'm Josie the Redheaded Libertarian, and I'll be your host today. Can everybody in the audience hear me and hear my speakers? Go ahead and throw up your emojis down there at the bottom, heart with a plus sign. Great, wonderful, and welcome everybody streaming live on TimCast.com, members only. Great to have you here. All right, so tonight we'll be uh, debating libertarians in the war in Palestine between Austin Peterson and Clint Russell. Austin, would you like to introduce yourself, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Certainly. Thank you for the invitation, and thank you, Clint, for joining us tonight for obviously a very interesting conversation that a lot of people are interested in. Uh, I'm the host of the Wake Up America show, which is a live liberty talk show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, and I'm over on rumble.com slash AP4Liberty, so if people enjoy this commentary, I hope they'll come and join us for a live show or subscribe to that podcast as well. Uh, I've been a libertarian activist since Ron Paul 2007 and uh, worked for the Libertarian National Committee uh, for a number of years, uh, some international libertarian think tanks. Uh, I was also a producer for Judge Andrew Napolitano's Freedom Watch which I helped launch that show on the Fox Business Network. Uh, the judge has referred to me as the right side of his brain. Uh, and uh, I've been an activist for liberty causes as well as a uh, presidential candidate in the Libertarian Party and a U.S. Senate candidate uh, in the Republican Party in 2018. You can find me pretty much anywhere on the Internet at AP for Liberty. So that's a little about me. Wonderful. Thank you. And Clint, can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, former entrepreneur, uh, retired, beginning of lockdown, started Liberty Lockdown to flip out in private, and then I discovered I had a bunch of other people that were also flipping out, so now I have an audience. Uh, at Liberty Lock Pod on Twitter, if anybody wants to follow me, I'm also the co-host of Tower Gang, as well as the co-host of uh, the We Are Change podcast, we're still coming up with a name, <laughs> but it's uh, Luke Rudkowski and myself. Uh, in in studio live in Miami, kind of like a Timcast IRL format. So that's that's my background, and you know, very very staunch non-interventionist uh, libertarian, and I look forward to the conversation. Wonderful. So uh, you two are both very strong debaters and just uh, very excellent humans to begin with. So I'm not going to. Um, moderate in a way where I'm going to ask you questions. I really want to see a discussion unfold between you two. Are you both okay with that format? Sounds good. Yeah. All right, great. Okay, well, I guess then let's just kick it off. So uh, October 7th, um, Hamas rulers <laughs> surprised Israel with a surprise attack, and we've kind of just been in war over there ever since. And you know, America's kind of like sitting in the Mediterranean, Russia's kind of sitting in the Black Sea. So it looks like this could escalate into something, uh, definitely a regional war, but something even bigger than that. So, um, Austin, why don't you start? Sure. Well, I think, you know, obviously this debate is happening because um, many people have taken umbrage with some of my comments 
uh, on Twitter over the last several weeks. Uh, I've always been the, the type of person who wears my biases on my sleeve. And while I try and look at any conflict uh, as objectively as possible, uh, I don't take what you might call the standard libertarian tack and say, oh, well, both sides are equally bad. Uh, I very much disagree with the idea of this concept of a almost a morally relativistic view uh, of global conflicts, of wars, as if there are no good guys in war or there are no bad guys. Even, even Murray Rothbard, as a matter of fact, didn't agree with that view. But in looking at this specific conflict that uh, emerged on October the 7th, I, I want to look at things you know, from a meta perspective as much as possible before we start to drill down and just to try and understand you know, what the people in Israel are up against, and Jews largely around the world, if you actually look at the total population statistics in the world, there are around 14 to 15 million Jews in the world, not all of whom are centered in Israel, but of course a great many are. So a total of 14 to 15 million Jews in the world. There are 1.9 billion Muslims in the world and 22 Arab nations surrounding Israel. So that, I think, provides some important context here. 14 to 15 million Jews in the world, 1.9 million, uh, 1.9 billion Muslims, not even 100 million Jews. Hamas itself is a recognized terror organization, right? Their charter actually calls for the destruction of Israel, and no matter what you think of the non-aggression principle, I would say that that pretty clearly is some fighting words, right? Uh, you know, uh, my belief, of course, I'm not a religious person. I think that all the claims, the mystical claims of religions, are false. They're equally false, but not all religions are equally anti-libertarian. And I think that the cult of Islam is the most anti-libertarian of all three of the Abrahamic religions. We can talk about that in just a moment. But my problem, and I think that, you know, why this debate has been called is because of me calling people out in the liberty movement, mostly because I see the liberty movement as being very deeply unserious. And I think that the Israel-Hamas conflict has really demonstrated that because most of what I'm seeing from libertarians these days seems based on historical revisionism, but also a lack of historical knowledge in general. Uh, I, I note that most libertarians, especially when you meet a baby libertarian, they'll say, oh, my favorite president was Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, we'll name three of his favorite songs. No, just kidding. T Thomas Jefferson and the Barbary Wars is probably one of the most relevant conflicts that you might adapt to what we're facing today, which is really a clash of civilizations. And I think what I see uh, amongst libertarians is really this desire to overcome, uh, excuse me, to oversimplify very complicated things. I frequently see people doing things like um, comparing murder to collateral damage, which is, you know, you're comparing murder in the first degree, intentional homicide, to what at worst might be considered involuntary manslaughter. Uh, but back to this concept of a clash of civilizations, when you think about it here, I, I, everybody looks back to Columbus Day just about a month ago. And if you saw anyone sharing any memes of the, uh, the South American, the Aztecs, being taken over by the Catholic conquistadors and saying, we're going to put an end to all human sacrifices, right? And they converted the Aztecs and the Mayans to Catholicism. I think most people would say that despite their brutal tactics, that it was a good thing that we put an end to the human sacrifices and the skulls on the Zompantli of South America. 
And I very much agree with Ayn Rand, who stated that she says that inferior cultures must make way for superior cultures. If all cultures are the same, and here's a series of questions that I'll wrap this up with for everybody, and hopefully you all will have good questions after. If all cultures are the same, then what are we libertarians actually fighting for, right? Why, why are we fighting to spread libertarian ideas if we don't think that our ideas are superior? Do you actually believe that all cultures are superior? And then I'll finish with this. What does don't tread on me actually mean? for libertarians. Do libertarians actually know how to fight? I think that that's a problem. Do they know what pacifism means? Can you can you tell me what that means? Or do you actually know what the word neocon means? I see people using that word without any concept. Ask, ask, scratch someone who calls someone a neocon and I promise you they don't know the name Leo Strauss. Or does anybody know what the word genocide actually means? I see that Clint is actually accuse me of advocating for a genocide. I'd be curious to see what he thinks about the Hamas charter to destroy the state of Israel, or when people say gas the Jews, if that might be a call for genocide. So in, I guess what I'll say to finish this, today's libertarians, I think, have a lot more in common with Rashida Tlaib than with Thomas Jefferson. I think it's time for us to evolve. All right, Clint, go ahead. Well, that was quite the uh, shotgun attack, but <laughs> uh, first off, yeah, I think there are cultures that are superior. I just don't think we, we should fucking annihilate cultures that <laughs> we find to be inferior to ours. And it seems that based off of your description of you know the Palestinians, you think that Ayn Rand was calling for their violent removal from their land, and perhaps she was, but I don't, I don't agree with that premise. And I, I approach this more from a property rights position than anything else. I think that the, there's a clear property right claim by the Palestinians in the uh, you know 1940s. They they had approximately 90% ownership of the land. I, I just don't know how you can make a claim that the United Nations, through the Belfort Declaration, can you know properly divide that land. 50-50 and have that be fair uh, given that the, the population there was so lopsided. So from from a pure property rights position, I think that the Palestinians have a better claim to that land. Uh, you know, setting my approval or disapproval of their their culture aside, I think that you know, respecting property rights is, is really the foundation of libertarianism. Uh, and there's, now let me also say the the reason that this all came to pass is that the Jewish people were suffering pogroms in the 1800s, uh, largely in you know, Russia, but all over Europe too. And they were seeking a homeland. And as a libertarian, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for people that feel persecuted, <laughs> that are seeking a homeland. My, uh, anybody that's in New Hampshire right now that's listening in on this will relate, relate to the the plight of the Jews in that regard. But I think what, what this amounts to, and for those that don't know, the, the entire framework of Zionism arises in the late 1890s. And, uh, and thanks to World War I, the, the British Empire, which is hanging on by a thread, starts offering off this landmass known as Palestine to a bunch of different people, 
the, the French, the, uh, the Jews, the Palestinians, the Arabs. Uh, it's, it's just offered off to anybody that's willing to help them in the, in the war. Uh, but then at the end of it, they have to actually settle that, that bar tab, so to speak. And they stab the Arabs in the back and the Arabs are the Palestinians. So I think that, you know, this is a, a old empire problem in the British empire is what created this through the Balfour declaration. And then it became a modern empire problem when the United States empire decided to support Israel in what is a basically a concentration camp style treatment for the past 17 years. Uh, I think that it's inhumane, even though I don't agree with, you know, many of the neoliberal organizations that, that judge what's happening all over the world. I think in this case, their, their description of this as being an open air prison is accurate. And, and that's also not to remove any culpability from the Palestinians. Who, who have you know violently revolted time and time again, uh, but I think that we, as libertarians, we must understand the reason for revolts, and and you have to truly view them as subhuman, not to understand why they would revolt given the circumstances of their lives over the past twenty years. All in there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Okay, um, so... Obviously, the conflict goes back a lot further than the Balfour Declaration. If we're talking just specifically about the Jews in what's known as Palestine, I mean, we could take our history back to Emperor Hadrian and say that you know, the Jews had been kicked out of Judea by the, the Romans, and it was named Judea before it was named Syria-Palestina for the explicit purpose of embarrassing the Jews and telling them that they should never return to their homeland. But if you literally go back into all of history, the, and you want to talk about property rights, the Jews had been kicked out of their own homeland way before the uh, Zionists of the late 1800s came there. So again, this is why I really think that it's, it's problematic. For, you can, we can do this tit for tat all day long about who's responsible for this, who's culpable for this. But I think it's actually more important for us to look at this from a meta perspective. You can say, oh, well, they had this many dead babies or they had this many dead babies. And at the end of the day, no one's minds are going to be changed. But if you look at this from a meta perspective, if you look at this from a bigger picture perspective, then I think things start to actually weigh out on the Jews and on the Israelites' side in regards to where our moral support should be. And I think we should have a discussion about what the United States' role should be, especially because there's so much ignorance about foreign policy and about term terminology like uh, open-air prison or basically a concentration camp. If, if you say basically a concentration camp, I mean, like, I, it's hard for me to take you seriously. Like, say it's a concentration camp and then explain to me why it is. But if you look at this from a meta perspective and you're comparing this as a clash of civilizations beyond the concept perhaps of good and evil, right? The good guys are the bad guys. If you simply look at the contributions 
that Israel offers to the world compared to the Arab world, there, there is no comparison whatsoever in terms of how the world is better off because of the existence of the state of Israel. For example, I pulled this statistic into, and I tried to pull this for multiple years, but you can imagine this probably extrapolates over multiple years, but I could only find for one year in 2019, the state of Israel was granted amongst its citizens 10,502 patents. In other words, 10,502 new inventions created in the world through industrial capitalism, through the fruits of the labors of the people of Israel, granted to the world medical innovations, digital innovations, technological innovations, right, contributions that all of us are using today in just one year. Now, when I tried to pull this out from the Arab world, 22 Arab nations, for example, there were no patents of note of the year 20 of the year in the year 2019 there were no contributions made to technology no contributions made to medical advancements no contributions made for the rest of the world now no one wants to see babies suffering nobody wants to see civilians killed we should find solutions to this that will result in the fewest amount of civilian casualties but there is no moral equivalence between Israel and the Arab nations who are committed to the destruction of these people of which 14 to 15 million exist versus 1.9 billion. People always talk about Israel being a bully. You know, Israel pushes people around. They're telling people what to do. But those are lies spread not only by the enemies of Israel, but also the, the declared enemies of you and I, the people of the United States. You have to remember that the day of rage that the the that hamas declared just a few weeks ago it wasn't limited to the people of israel right they were they were murdering people in beijing right and it was it was you were supposed to attack and kill people in israel and in the united states they see us as their enemy right and it this is why we all laugh when we see queers for palestine Right. Uh, that's why, we, you know, it would be it, it's funny, but it makes a good point that maybe we should come up with a GoFundMe and send the queers for Palestine to Gaza so that they can hold their gender studies group. Why is it important? Why is it a moral imperative for libertarians to support Israel versus terrorism? It is not only because of the contributions that Israel gives to the world versus their neighbors, but because these Arab nations are the declared and stated enemies of liberalism. Right. Not the bad liberalism, but of the views that people like you and I hold. And because we live in a world where you can be gay, you can be a woman and go and get a job. You know, the the, uh, the dance festival that was attacked in Israel on October 7th, there is no uh, uh, example of something like that in Gaza. It's not allowed. So I, so what I'm asking people to do is to start before we start talking about bombs and killings and roof knocks and 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 this person killed that person and that person killed that person look at it from a meta perspective first as to who are really the good guys the good guys here in terms of a global conflict and then we can work our way down from there about what the united states's role should be in such a conflict about what our but before we can do something like that i think we should take a moral stand in favor of those who stand for Western values and for individualism. Austin, I gotta say, man, that, that was one of the most disturbing rants I've ever heard in my life. Uh, you wanna you wanna really take a, a meta perspective to classify who's good and evil on a on a group level as opposed to an individualist basis 
and you're going to do so based off of patents filed by the different cultures. This is an open conversation. Please interject. I I, I would like an answer to that. It seems to be uh, just a horrifying perspective to hold, man. I'm just being totally straight up with you. Well, well, stop being an emotional, uh, sounding like a leftist and using the arguments of the left. Like, come at me with a reasonable argument of why I'm not supposed to be swayed by someone who creates a medical innovation. I want to hear why you believe that. Because I think the things like medical innovations, digital innovations, technical innovations... Yeah, it does. I think when you're actually contributing to the world, when you when you have people who are hell bent on our destruction and who contribute nothing of value to the world, versus people who want to be our friends, and who want to be our allies, and who want to stand for the values that we claim to hold as libertarians or classical liberals, when you have people who are out there who say we hold your values, we allow our women to drive cars, we we create medical technology that might save the lives of people here in the United States, we have free trade agreements with Israel that we don't have with with Arab nations because they take it and they parse it off to their warlords. The humanitarian aid that goes to the Gaza Strip, the the fuel that they are demanding, for example, it isn't being used to to fuel generators so that civilians... Hamas doesn't give a crap about their own civilians. They're they're going to take that that. fuel... They're going to take they're going to take that fuel, but that's this is a micro analysis. But but you're telling me that on a meta analysis that you don't see that the the, the the plight of Israel versus the the 22 Arab nations held on to, bent, bent on its destruction places them. You think that there's a moral equivalence between Israel and its enemies? I think I think when you talk about innocents being killed on either side of a war, regardless of the value of their culture, it does not change the value of that child's life uh, and. I'll stand by that to the end of time. Uh, so obviously, you feel differently, and that's fine. But I, I just think it's a really, it's well, a really sick perspective. In, I don't engage. I don't engage in emotional blackmail like a child. Like you, you know, you're you're a baby libertarian here. You're using these arguments to try and sway people's views based on emotion. And this is Austin, why I argue Austin, that you're this just, is why you're just a massive racist. I'm just I'm just being straight up with you. And I don't ever call anybody a racist for the love of God, man. You just you hate you hate Arabs that you hate Muslims like what the fuck is this? That's that's well, really that's I'm really your you, argument. I'm glad you said that because you're you're displaying your not only that you really are a leftist, Clint, because you've already you know <laughs> jumped to races. You've already jumped to the racist slur, but you've also confused you, religion you are, with dude. a race. Do you do you know what the difference between a religion and a race is? Do you know that Islam is not a a race? This is this is just embarrassing for you, man. All right, let me let me explain the the position uh, that I hold and and the reason I don't think that you're even right in holding the Israelis to this you know vaunted heights as being the superior culture. If they were so superior, uh, you know, keeping a a full embargo on a population that consists of over fifty percent people that are under eighteen, over fifty percent people that have never. Uh, you know, had seen an election in their lifetime and, and controlling the flow of water, gas, electricity, medicine, every, everything that they would need to build a civilization in Gaza is controlled by their captors, which is the Israelis via the IDF. And I just don't know how you can actually judge their culture, judge their civilization, given the fact that they are truly living in an open air prison. You, you push back against that description but I haven't heard you actually give a better one. Tell me, tell me well, the conditions yes, that they well, have existed in for the sure. past 20 years is, is sure. reasonable and not a human rights violation of, an, of a very high level. 
Well, let's remember that they did have an election 20 years ago, and they chose to vote for the dictatorship. They voted for the Hitlerites to run to govern their nation. They didn't vote to have free and fair and open elections. And whenever they do fight, they don't fight their tyrannical overlords. They fight the Jews next door. They fight because, of course, they're obviously anti-Semitic, and they stand arm in arm with the Hitlerites here in the United States, which is, it's so ironic because you're actually, I, I debated a white nationalist, you know, someone who is a national socialist and who agrees with you on all of this. It's fascinating to see people who call themselves libertarians standing side by side with not only the Rashida Tlaib type leftist, wokey social justice warriors, but you're wait, also wait, so I'm a, I'm a leftist and now standing, also I'm a white yes, nationalist? You are, fascinating. No, you're well. You're stand. You you keep poor company, my friend. You do stand with people, and you also use the tactics of the woke left because, in reality, and you, you stand actually with Lindsey Graham. If you want to, if you want to actually assess our our arguments based off of who shares them, yeah, you sound like Lindsey Graham. Who gives a fuck, Austin? One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. You have to be wrong here. You, see, you don't even know what the terms are that you're using, Clint, and that's because, again, you're a fucking noob. So let me just explain to you the terms that you're using. I, I think there are a lot of libertarians that if you said you can have you're going to live in an open air prison. However, you get AK-47s, full auto, by the way, body armor, plus rockets, grenades and the ability to control and dominate entirely the local population and force your views on others. I think people would say, well, damn, that sounds like a really fun time. I mean, to me, it sounds like The Walking Dead, and it sounds like an absolute tyranny. And I think that the people in Palestine, if they were smart, rather than taking the AK-47s and using them against their neighbors, they should be using them against their own leadership. But that's not what they do. As, and again, uh, you know, I could use emotional argumentation just like you are, you know, uh, uh, Clint, and say all, all of these things. But at the end of the day, I think the problem is, is that you've adopted not only the tactics of the left, but the views of the left. And, and, and what, I, what I really think this comes down to, and when I say you know, this word, I mean this descriptively, not necessarily pejorative, but I think the retardation of the, the liberty movement on foreign policy, it all comes down to the fact that because it's so complicated, most of us have outsourced our thinking to about one or two people. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People on this... And so because of that, whenever one person, that one or two people who we look to for foreign policy views, whenever they make a mistake, that error gets compounded out amongst the rest of the movement because nobody is doing their own thinking on this topic. And they've all said, well, this is awesome. the person spent, that you should I've look to on foreign three policy. Weeks. I've spent the past three weeks reading. I know you're, you're implying that Scott Horton is my mentor on this. I, I've spent the past three weeks reading no Scott Horton whatsoever, but rather, uh, you know, a litany of sources from uh, Martyr Maid's podcasts to books to articles to, you know, other YouTube videos to try and to get a backdrop to all of this. 
because have you read really, anything like, that disagrees with you? Have you read anything that disagrees with you? Have you read Have you read Lindsey Graham's book? I mean, have you read the Have you read the views of the people who actually? I'll, I'll don't be honest agree with you. With no, you? I have not. I have not read okay. Lindsey Graham's book. How do you? I mean, why do you not read people that you disagree with? I think this is really this is why we fail is because you can, you know Sun Tzu says know the enemy and know yourself and you will not lose in a thousand battles. My libertarianism only became sharper and more pointed and was that I was able to be able to make stronger arguments against statism, against big government, then, then against, make, and against make terrorism. Defense, make a defense of Graham's position. Well, I don't, well, here's the thing. I don't defend his interventionist views, but I agree with him the same way that I agree with, the same way that Ayn Rand agrees with Lindsey Graham. And the problem is that, libert is that libertarians place a moral equivalence on people who do not, who, who their moral equivalence is that we are the same as, uh, let's see if you, I'm trying to think of Saudi Arabia, for example, the way that they say they attacked us on 9-11 is a perfect example. Now, if you look at Osama bin Laden's stated reasons for the purpose of his attack on the United States, one of them was because of the American base in Saudi Arabia, which is their holy land, and they see as an affront to their religion. Well, first of all, you know, their religion is their religion. We have differences of views on that one, but I understand they saw that as disrespectful. But another one was because of our stated open support of Israel. And not just because of the type of interventionism that you get from Lindsey Graham, meaning the uh, actual literal tax, U.S. taxpayer dollars going to Israel, which I do not support. I don't support American tax taxpayers being forced to pay for the defense of a foreign nation. But I believe that the same way for Israel as I do for Europe, for example. But my argument is that it's not, it, it, is, it is a morally relativistic position to believe that the government of Russia and the government of China and the government of North Korea are the same as the United States. And the reason why I say that is because none of you who believe that- I would never say that. No, 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 but, but I'm not saying you are per se, but there are people who do make those positions, who do, who do say that they're both the same. Just It's the same as when people say the Republican and the Democratic- hey, Why are you bringing are it up? I'm not saying because that. You're asking me, you asked me to contrast the ideas of Lindsey, Lindsey Graham. Let me finish, right? So, so the, people who, the people who argue against Lindsey Graham typically tend to be the social democrats. And on their views, they see the United States either as on par with Russia or China or North Korea or actually worse. And plenty of libertarians do make the argument that the bad guys are the good guys and the good guys are actually the bad guys. But I think that that makes a mistake in oversimplif oversimplifying complex problems that the United States faces. And it also, I think, it, it gives in to people who actually, who don't believe in our views and who want to violate our naps all day long and who don't believe in our views, who will use the pacifistic v uh, views of not only American libertarians, but of American leftists as well, in order for them to actually wage war against us and our values. If you cannot see that there is a civilizational conflict that happens in the world, that, that, that the United States is not the only uh, government with with intelligence agencies that commit acts of evil on the world and try and foment war and terrorism and you know unleash plagues, if you will. Then I think that you've been blinded by ideology, 
And what you need to do is you need to try and look at things from a more foreign policy realist perspective. And again, I would like to go back to Thomas Jefferson and the Barbary Wars, for example. And I'd be curious, what was your view of how Thomas Jefferson handed Muslim terrorists during his presidency, Clint? How, how, How do you analyze Thomas Jefferson's handlings of the Barbary Wars, for example? Uh, I'm I'm not interested in engaging with uh, 250-year history, given that you just laid out one of the most elaborate straw mans of my position I've ever heard in my life. So, so I you're not like interested. You're not interested in engaging with American history that is directly related to the conflict that we're in right now. Is it because Austin, you're Austin, your debate tactics are transparent? They're not going to work. Okay, so could okay. I could I actually address the straw man so positions you, that you laid out? So do you, can you can you just answer yes or no? Do you do you agree overall with how Jefferson handled? I'm not, I'm not going to engage with this. You just laid out okay. a straw man. Can All I right. answer it? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I have never once said that the American empire is the only entity that is actually, you know, causing havoc around the globe. I don't know any libertarians that feel that way. So that <laughs> let me start with that. Uh, two, yes, obviously there are governments that are superior and inferior. I think that historically the American government has been one of the best up until approximately the past hundred years uh, when it became, uh, you know, the biggest driver of imperialism and the global hegemon. Uh, I think that the the death and destruction that has come along with, you know, supporting both the U.S. empire as well as Israel uh, has been catastrophic for the Middle East. And the only way that you can actually perceive them to be barbarians with no valid grievances is to perceive them to be lesser on such a fundamental level that I I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm just being totally honest with you. Um, so I'd like to get a, an explanation from you as to what you think the treatment of the Palestinians over the past 20 years has been. Do they have any legitimate grievances at all? Uh, certainly they do. And no one has treated them worse than their very own government that they elected 20 years ago. When Hamas committed the the terror attack of October 7th, they put not only themselves, but their entire population at risk and danger uh, of of the conflict, of the kind of ground invasion that we're now going to see. And if you want to have a a conversation about the microanalysis of this conflict, I'm perfectly fine. I think you do, I think you are running and hiding from the meta-analysis of this one, and I think you would do well, just in general, and anyone who's listening, to take a look at how Thomas Jefferson handled the Barbary pirates and into the history of the United States' war with radical Islam, going back to our nation's founding, because I do think that it provides some very important insight into how we are still struggling with this version of doomsday religion today that wants to take us all with this. And I'm also sympathetic, Clint, to the arguments that I hear from libertarians about the dispensationalist views of the uh, the American fundamentalist right, of which I was yeah, right. exactly, exactly, and I think that many of them, you know, because of their desire for the end of the end times, right? They do they do foment conflict in the Middle East for the for the explicit purposes of bringing about the end of the world, uh, and I completely disagree with them. And I think politicians like Lindsey Graham who, at, at, if you could say something nice about Lindsey Graham, you could say at least he's gotten elected. 
And at least he's been able to take his views and his principles and be able to manipulate people into voting for him so that he can actually get his views across. See, the one thing that I wish libertarians would learn from people that we disagree with, like Lindsey Graham or John McCain or Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, is these people, as, as detestable as their views may be, they know how to fight. And I think that the ones that, and the problem with with Israel is that they have been, they have had their hands tied behind their backs by the international community. And so frequently, I see libertarians, not not you necessarily, Clint, but I do see libertarians citing international law or the United Nations for as to why Israel should do this or do that. I'm like, well, it's very convenient. You know, they reject the United Nations and international law until it confirms their their biases. And I just wish, of course, more libertarians would be honest about their biases, like I am. I'm honest about my biases. I'm, I'm for civilization, and I'm against barbarism. And I think that just like Thomas Jefferson understood to fight the Barbary Wars of his days, that he was fighting uh, uh, against barbarians, we're fighting a very similar conflict today. And just because we have people in this country that wear suits and ties and jackets and call themselves good sustaining members of whatever Christian, you know, fundamental society they have, doesn't mean that their views and behaviors are barbaric as well. I'll, I'll give you that. But I'll say that it's important for us to, one, take a moral stand on the side on the side of the good guys two to not tie the hands of the people who are defending themselves israel is waving the gadsden flag they're waving the don't tread on me flag and they're saying it's time oh, for that us is crazy to, man. it's there it's time for us to do what hl mencken said when he said that at times every normal man must be tempted to hoist the black flag spit on his hands and begin slitting throats and there's no reason that Israel should be restricted by the United States or by other countries in doing what they must do to defend themselves. As a matter of fact, I, I liked Ron Paul. I like, exact I like, same. I'm almost, I'm Dude, almost done. How, how, I, I how like, long are you going to go? I'm almost done. So I really liked what Ron Paul had to say the other day, for example, when he was trending on Twitter and he was talking about Israel on the floor of the, the Congress. He says the United States shouldn't be telling Israel what to do with their foreign policy. As a matter of fact, Ron Paul didn't call Israel bloodthirsty warmongers in the 1980s when Israel attacked Iraq's Osirak nuclear reactor, Operation Opera, which you can actually see a really great YouTube video, for example, of the pilots attacking the reactor and blowing it up and dodging missiles. It's epic. But Ron Paul was one of the only members of Congress in the 1980s to say, no, we should not be telling Israel that they can't do that. That's none of our business. And what I see out there, at least what I'm perceiving, just like you perceived that I was alluding to Scott Horton, what I'm perceiving is that there are a lot of people out there who have picked a side in this conflict and they try and pretend as if they're being unbiased or objective. I'm not saying that's you, Clint. Uh, I do suspicion that you are on the other side, but only because I've seen you share propaganda from the other side unquestionably and had to apologize for doing so because I think you don't do your homework and I think that your, your ego far outstrips your intellect. But I think that the problem that most libertarians face is right now is that they, they morally equivocate between this, these two conflicts. Is, Josie, for the love of God, this is like a 10-minute fucking monologue that's paired with insults. Can um, I ever engage? So... I'm going to interject and I'm going to explain the Barbary Pirates and you're both going to take a breather and then we're going to come back and Clint, you're going to answer Austin, okay? All right, so Austin's alluded to the Barbary Pirates several times. So when Thomas Jefferson became president, the Barbary Pirates increased the cost of the tribute and Jefferson re refused to pay it and uh, 
he sent warships to the Mediterranean Sea because the pirates had um, begun capturing and enslaving American soldiers or sailors, sorry, and uh, were demanding excessive ransom payments. Um, so in so in doing this, he he sent uh, out these warships, and these warships bombed the pirates, and this actually ended in a treaty of peace. I think that was June fourth. Yes, June 4th, 1805, there was a treaty of peace and it was expedited between America and Egypt to bring this to a close. Um, the other Barbary rulers, though, considered it uh, like a chastain and they continued to receive um, tribute, but that that's another story. So, all right, breather, I'm sorry this can get heated. Um, we're going to... We're going to try to do more of a discussion instead of a lecture going forward, if that's okay with both of you. So try to, you know, mentally keep maybe like a minute and let, let each other respond and be respectful of each other's time. And uh, I think you're both here with good faith arguments. And I think this is an important discussion. Are you guys enjoying this in the comments? Are you learning? Throw up your emojis, please. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, you're getting great feedback, guys. All right, I'm I'm really appreciate you both for being here, and um, yes, wonderful. Thank you, thank you, guys. And um, I do just taking a breather. You're both great people, and I have a lot of respect for both of you. Okay, um, I, I I don't believe either of you are evil. I don't believe either of you are stupid. Um, I believe you're both incredibly intellectual people. I would not have invited you both, as I feel like you're very evenly matched and very evenly intellectual and very evenly committed to liberty. All right, um, Clint, go ahead and you may respond to Austin. Yeah, I mean, it, because it was so long, I don't even know all the points <laughs> to contend with, but uh, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, the reason he wants to take a macro view and, and but really just focus on two weeks ago is because the, the grievances of the Palestinians are legitimate. And that's, that's not to say that they are just in doing what they did. I think anytime innocents are killed in battle, it's horrible and awful. So, uh, you know, his, his insinuation that I actually stand with Hamas in some way is, is wrong. Whereas he does stand openly with the idea that as they slaughter thousands of kids over the past two weeks, I think that is the, the, the real moral difference here is that I am actually trying to, to find peace in this conflict. And the only peace that I think is possible is a two-state solution. I think prior to a month ago, there was a chance that, that a, a one-state solution could have worked. I think after the activities of October 6th, uh, that ship is likely sailed. But, uh, you know, aside from all of my concerns over the, you know, the, the loss of innocent life in Gaza over the past two weeks, I would like to hear from Austin as to what, what his actual intention is, given that there are you know, 99% innocent people that are in that city with over 2 million people there. Like, I, I actually... What, what, is, what is his plan? I want to ask Austin a question for clarity uh, for the audience. Um, you'd mentioned something about um, uh, 
Islam wanting to uh, kill the Jewish people. And I need to know if that's um, a, the charter of Islam or if that's the charter of Hamas that you were referencing. If, if sure all the Islam, if, if all the Islamic people want to kill the Jewish people, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, if it's the religion thing, or if it's the Hamas that in their charter that they want it to. Was, well, I mean, we can. Yeah, it was the charter of Hamas. Okay, all right. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to, to clear that that up. There was a question about that. Um, right, and, I don't think there's any point in going down that path because the Torah has. You know things like that too so yeah okay okay um and uh clint um could you give you'd, you'd written something about uh, just to go back to austin's point about it being a um a concentration camp can you you'd written a tweet maybe a week or so ago about the conditions in gaza um something about seven exits all of them are blocked um every that they've you you know which tweet I'm referencing? Can you can you talk about this one? Because I think that that yeah, is I've, what would I've help with Austin's um, clarity on why you think well, it's a concentration camp. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have freedom of movement, uh, <laughs> and you and you haven't had that for the vast majority of people that live in Gaza, their entire existence. I just don't I just don't know how you can describe it as anything other than that. Now, I will I will say I I disagree with the left when they describe this as some sort of genocide i don't think that the jews actually intend to to kill or want to kill all of the palestinians i think that it is more aptly described as a ethnic cleansing they want these people off of that land they're trying to make their lives so untenable that they will ultimately flee and that's exactly what happened in 1948 is the the palestinians were forced off their land through the nakba and and they left with their keys thinking that they could return to their homes at some point, and that day never came. And, and because of that, there's a tremendous amount of enmity from these people that's held towards uh, you know, Israel, and also there's religious animosity that goes in there as well, but that goes both directions. The, the sad reality is that just 100 years ago, Christians, Jews, and Muslims all existed in this land with relative peace. Uh, you know, this is not some like blood feud that can't be healed, in my opinion. Um, and I think that, you know, having the American empire back one side in this means that it will be settled with brutal violence. And as a libertarian and as a non-interventionist, I think that Austin would be wise to consider his words of lending support to Israel as they shell thousands of innocent kids and ultimately make this, uh, you know, a, a peaceful solution very, very unlikely, not to mention the potential for a widening multi-front world war if this becomes a war with Hezbollah and Lebanon and also Iran, you know, Russia, China, a whole bunch of other nations could could be in play here. So uh, I think that the the reason that he, he perceives me to be standing with the Palestinians more than the Israelis is simply because I'm trying to counter the narrative that that the history of this conflict began two weeks ago. It didn't. The, the grievances of the Palestinians, uh, particularly the people in Gaza. I mean, the West Bank is is bad, but it ain't like Gaza. Gaza's a fucking shit show. Um, and I just don't, I, you know, I think that anyone who has a heart at all that looks at the treatment of the people of Gaza will ultimately have a tremendous amount of sympathy for what they've gone through. And I just think that you have to you have to genuinely believe them to be subhuman to not understand why they would ultimately revolt. All right, Austin, you may respond to that. Do you believe um, the Gazans or the Palestinians are, are subhuman? 
Uh, no, obviously okay. I don't. But what I think is interesting, you know, again, going back to, you know, Clint is, you can't really have a good faith argument with someone who says that you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And you can't even have really a fully intellectual conversation with someone who's compared you said, race you said to I'm religion. In, you said I'm in alignment with white nationalists, man. Come on. Whatever. I said that, I said that you stand arm in arm with them against the okay, people big, of Israel. And big you difference, use Austin, Big me. difference. That, that is a difference. I'm saying that what we would call you in the business is a useful idiot. And you can't have a good faith argument with someone who just flings around terms like racist when you use terms like religion and race interchangeably. But I'll, let me continue. You know, you've Austin, advocated, you can't pretend with anything that Are you an anarchist? Are you an anarchist, Clint? Are you going to contend with any of my arguments, are you, man? Are you? I'm, I'm just. I'm just. What I will say next will, will depend on whether or not you believe in the legitimacy of a government or not. Yeah, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. You know this. Okay. Well, then why are you calling for a two-state solution? That sounds fairly statist to me. You are literally advocating for the oh intervention. God, you are advocating for the. You are advocating as an anarchist. On one hand, saying that you don't believe in the legitimacy of every any government, and then on this the other hand, you're speaking you're you are speaking out of the other side of your mouth, and you're saying that the Palestinians deserve and have the right to own have their own government. Yeah. So you're yeah. actually advocating for the because initiation people, of force. people have a right people have a right you're, to self determination, and if they want to formulate that government, that's their decision. Wow, self determination. So you're taking a page out of Woodrow Wilson's playbook now. So who's the neocon now, Clint? Because self determination was at the heart of Woodrow Wilson's argument for the purpose of the intervention into World War One. So not only do you stand arm in arm with Rashida Tlaib and with the white nationalists, but now you stand arm in arm with Lindsey Graham. You, you've betrayed yourself, sir. You're an anarchist tactics, who believes in a government. These tactics are stand, embarrassing. Uh, no, it's, no it's, what's embarrassing, Clint, is you don't know the definition of the words that are coming out of your mouth. You actually said the words full embargo. For example, I wrote this down and I double-started. If you go back in time on, this, on the time code of this later, you said that there is a full embargo embargo against yeah, they get the to, Palestinian they get to people in Gaza. What comes in and comes it's, out. It's, it's not a full embargo if anything can come in or come out. A full embargo means that nothing can come in and nothing can come out. That is what a full embargo is. Do you understand that they have that they have made it a full embargo over the past you, Well, now, at war, that's, yes, that's war. Though, that right, is, do you, that under, is what do you understand that they use it as a lever? Do you understand that they use it as a because Do you understand that they've used it as a lever for the past 15 years? You're the goalposts. You've been saying that there was a full embargo. You're used it in the context of the last 20 years, not in the last two weeks. There's a complete difference between what Germany did to American merchant shipping in the run-up to World War I and unrestricted submarine warfare fare in the embargo that was being conducted against the United Kingdom. So again, I think the problem here is that you like to drop words like leftists that you don't understand in order to win your arguments based on emotion. You, you haven't, you don't you have haven't contended facts. with any of my because arguments, you don't dude. Have it's embarrassing. Because, well, you, but you only how do I argue with emotion? Do I tell you you're a little bitch and you sound like a girl? I mean, like, that's the kind of argumentation that you're using. You have no facts. You don't know history. I, you don't I've, even know I've the history laid, of the I've libertarian laid out movement. The enti- I've laid out the entire history of this conflict. You have not done so at all. You Clint, haven't even attempted to. Clint, I, I, I've gutted you in front of this audience, and you're holding your intestines, and you don't even know that you're dead, okay? You're using terms like full embargo. This, this is when amazing, that hasn't man. existed When you haven't existed, you haven't, and you um. used it in the context of the last 20 years. Clint? Now, you're also Austin, Austin, you really can't contend with the arguments, can you? It's amazing. Clint, ask Austin one 
question that you want him to answer from your argument? I think, I think honestly, it'd be better for a Q&A at this point. This guy, I've, I've laid out a tremendous argument as to why the Palestinians should have our sympathy and why America should not be involved. And he's just, he's just gone on a fucking tirade about how I'm holding my intestines. The guy's lost his mind. Okay, um, I can open it up to a Q&A if, if you're both okay with that. I would have done that in about five or ten minutes anyway. You good with that? Yeah, no, that's yeah, fine. Okay. okay, sure. All right, so we're going to open up for a Q&A. If you have a question for Austin or Clint or me, you're welcome to request to be a speaker down there at the bottom, and I'll make you a speaker. And when you're ready to speak, you hit that heart with a plus sign, and there'll be a hand all the way off to the right, so you hit that, and it lets me know that you're ready to ask your question. All right. I'm making a few speakers. And I'm going to ask speakers to keep their questions under 30 seconds and be prepared with them before you raise your hand. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Benjamin, go ahead. Yeah, questions for Austin Peterson. Uh, do you think the Libertarian Party is a failed project? Um... I do, uh, and that's why I left. I, I could kind of see the writing on the wall. I, it's not, that isn't to say that anything bad about the people who make up the Libertarian Party, because I honestly really love and respect a lot of the people who are there, uh, Caroline Harlos and Joshua Smith and, and uh, Dave Smith, for example, are great people that I think do good work. And there, there's a lot of people who I really miss, and I, I wish that, um, you know, that in some way I could still be a part of what the Libertarian Party does, because I spent 10 years helping to shape it. But I, I think the problem is, is that one of the, the issues is that libertarians, the American people aren't looking for libertarian solutions right now. And the best that we, I think we can offer right now because of the cycles that American elections go through, it's about every 30 years that Americans actually look at a third party and would consider voting for them. And so because I'm, you know, 42 years old and I want to spend, you know, my career actually, you know, getting some things done for liberty, you know, I've joined the Republican Party in order to nudge it more in our direction. But I think that the problem with the Libertarian Party is that, one, it doesn't know if it wants to win elections. And many say that they actually don't think that's the job of the party. And then, two, the, the infighting is at such a level to where people, when they control something, for, for example, when they control a state party, they everybody you know power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely so people will fight to the death over pittances that things that don't matter things that you know you're fighting over like a state budget for example for five thousand dollars it, it means nothing but people will hold fight to such things for their death and so i think unfortunately the libertarian party fights these battles that don't actually advance the cause when when you're a member of the Republican Party, for example, or even, you know, some libertarians are Democrats and, you know, I don't understand that, but like, you know, do your thing. But within the Republican Party, I'm actually changing people's minds. I'm asked to lead seminars on the history of the conservative and the libertarian movement. 
and people see me as like the quirky weird libertarian guy but they actually listen to me versus writing me off or seeing me as the enemy uh and you can actually get a lot more accomplished you know, I, i'm asked to testify in front of my um the missouri congress uh on on issues that actually will change could change people's minds on policy and that never happened before when I was a member of the third party. So I, I'm not denigrating the libertarians at all. I think that they're, again, they're good people, but I do think that the problem is, is that once somebody takes over the power, whether it be the Mises caucus or the pragmatics before that, they'll fight to the death to hold on to that power that they have. If what they're doing is not working, they don't want to lose their position. They don't want to lose their power or prestige. Nobody does. Nobody wants to hand it over and say, I failed, I couldn't do this. Somebody else needs to take over. The Libertarian Party, more than anybody, eats their young. And I know this from firsthand experience, from, from the very, very smallest job that I had in the LP all the way up to the presidential campaign. Anybody who tries to change anything for the better or who comes in with, with dreams and plans and good ideas and skills, um, they're quickly going to be cannibalized there. Uh, not to say it doesn't happen in the major parties, but there is a fighting chance that you can make a difference within parties that actually want to win. Just the attitude of, I want to win, I'm going to win, and we have won some, and we're going to win them next time. That in itself, if, if you could take that out of the, the major parties and put that in the Libertarian Party, that would change things dramatically. But the problem is simply, and I'll finish with this, that the, the Libertarian Party has all of the same problems that the major parties do without the benefits of actually winning elections. All right, thank you. Um, Roger, go ahead. Yeah, hey, uh, it, it's been my observation and the observation of many libertarians that are, are leaving the movement because of the c comedian podcaster space that try to hijack libertarian values. But my question is for Clint. Uh, why is it that your uh, focus on liberty in, in, in uh, regards to this conflict, that you tend to uh, you, spend more time critiquing those fighting against tyranny and fighting against terrorists than you do actually criticizing the tyrannical powers of the world uh, as well as the terrorists. Is there a reason why you've moved from the non-aggression principle to the non-retaliation principle? Your framing is hysterical, man. Look, there's, there has been aggression on both sides. I've laid that case out. Austin hasn't contended with it whatsoever because despite his accusations of me being unlearned, he's actually borderline functionally retarded. He can't contend with any of these arguments because he doesn't know them. He doesn't know about the Nakba. He doesn't know about the 750,000 people that have been, been displaced. So, yeah, I, I'm going to bring out both sides of the conflict and explain why both sides have justification for response, because that's the reality. I'm not going to take teams. I'm not going to take sides. I'm going to try and get the Americans to understand this is not our fight. Let's stay the fuck home. Thank you, Roger. Um, if, if I've made you a speaker and you have a question, hit the heart with the plus sign. All the way to the right is a hand, and that lets me know you're ready to ask your question. I'm going to bring up Joshua Smith because I'm pretty sure he's probably prepared. Joshua? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, <clears throat> so I, I just kind of wanted to, first of all, you know, I've been very clear on my stance with this. Uh, I believe that Hamas is bad and probably should be taken out. Um, my biggest concern, obviously, is the loss of innocent lives, children especially. Uh, it's really bothersome to me. Um, it's something that we are guilty of in the United States as well uh, and have been for many, many years. Um, my, my concern in this argument that I've heard so far is, first of all, I know that Clint 
doesn't support Israel, but also doesn't support Hamas. Um, but Austin brought up the Barbary pirates when Thomas Jefferson. And uh, I'm sorry, I was in the middle of eating my lunch. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I did a quick rundown on them. You probably have more to say about that. I didn't. I didn't yeah, mention so, some so of my, the things. My concern with that is, is you know, when Thomas Jefferson got in office and went after the pirates, um, you know, places that are now Tunisia or uh, Lebanon or no, not Lebanon, uh, Libya, somewhere else. Anyways, uh, he had strategic missions where. They took out pirates one by one. Um, they gave safe passage to innocent people, uh, like extremely safe passage to innocent people before attacking fortified cities, stuff like that. Um, and didn't just indiscriminately drop bombs on apartment complexes and then blame the fact that there may be Hamas in, in buildings and stuff like that. So, I mean, I want to kind of understand um, the argument from Austin. Like, do you support this... Um, offensive with the you know the bomb dropping on on uh like the say the administration the administrative buildings to the third oldest greek orthodox christian church in the world in gaza um and and these kind of things just with the the thought that there might be hamas in there or do you think that maybe there's a more strategic way that israel could go about this um as hamas does probably need some kind of retaliation so thanks Okay, uh, good question, Ben, a big one. Um, so you, you, you talked about, I'll skip Thomas Jefferson and the Barbary Pirates for now because you, you finished with the question about um, Hamas and the way that they conduct uh, war. Obviously, they didn't have the type of bombs back in the day that they do now, although I do find it interesting, you know, that you know, they actually, the rise of modern warfare with the creation of drones and, and the use of drone technology, we can actually reduce the number of civilian casualties versus the technology that we had in World War II, where we had no such thing as guided bombs or guided missiles. Like, the more guided bombs and the more guided missiles we have, the fewer civilian casualties we can inflict because of the advancement of that weapons technology. And, and Josh has, has said that he does support Israel's right to kill the terrorists and attack Hamas. So I think if I'm, and I hope that I'm getting this right, what we're really talking about here is the, is the micro question of, is, you know, do I support Israel using the type of technology that they have to attack terrorists if that means that there is collateral damage? And the reason that I will say yes is because Israel not only has technology that will take out terrorists in these buildings, but they also have technology and they make use of technology that they have in order to specifically evacuate civilians from these buildings. Uh, and this is something Clint and I talked about in our first debate, which is called a roof knock system. Uh, and I hope that some of you will take a look at this. There's actually some video from Al Jazeera where they actually drop blanks on the top of these building, buildings for the specific purpose to let the civilians know that they need to evacuate that building because it is a target. Israel, for example, gave the, uh, the Gazans 24 hours to evacuate the areas where they would be uh, uh, dropping bombs in the first wave of their attacks after October 7th. And then when Israel found out that not enough civilians had evacuated, they gave them six more hours 
to be able to evacuate more civilians before they went in. And these are the reasons why I don't see a moral equivalence between the uh, the terrorists and Hamas and the IDF, for example, because the, the terrorists and Hamas specifically targeted civilians for the purpose of targeting civilians. And in those buildings that receive roof knocks, for example, the ones that get the blanks dropped on top of them, Hamas has been known and documented to actually prevent civilians from leaving those buildings. And they tell them, don't leave, don't leave, stay here. So they're actually targeting civilians on purpose. It's a big difference. And I think this really is the challenge. And, you know, I would invite human, you to... Human, human rights organizations looked into that. They found no evidence that that's Which true. ones? Which ones? The United Nations? Yeah. Okay, well, congratulations, Clint. You believe the United Nations. Okay, good for you. So the point is, is that... Well, what's, your, what's your source? Targeting... What's your source that they actually do that? I don't think you oh. have one at all. Uh, send your source, buddy. Uh, my source is the IDF. <laughs> All right, go ahead. And Al Jazeera. As a matter of fact, to tell you what, actually, I have, you know, I, my source is also Al Jazeera. So the government of Qatar, who actually has video of that roof knock that occurred just a couple of weeks ago. I, I can't post a video in the chat, but please, go, everybody who's here right now, go and check Al Jazeera roof knock video. Probably the best, oh, awesome. the best example of what I'm talking about. So not only is my, is my example from Israelis, but it's also from their enemies. So there's an, it's a sanitization of mass murder. The, the, the civilians that are dying oh, on the Palestinian side are 10x what's happened on mass the Israeli murder. side. So, so yes, on, they give they give notice. I mean, hooray! And then they and then they proceed to kill thousands of looking innocent the, people. The, well, the question was for me, from Hold Josh. On. Hold on, Austin. I I, uh, I do got like a, just a short follow up. You know, as, as somebody who served during shock and awe, you know, I was I was on a ship that dropped a hundred million tons of ordnance on Baghdad. Uh, a lot of people know that about me. We we also dropped leaflets and and uh, warnings for the people of Iraq to tell them to get out of the you know get out of Baghdad out of the city before we dropped bombs. Of course. We with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Still killed thousands and thousands of innocent people, including children. Um, and with, with without the risk of making anybody on this call sound like Madeline Albright. Um, I mean, what is what would be you know, at what point is it like an acceptable, like the acceptable cost has gone too far? Um, would you say as far as this conflict goes, do you, do you think well, there is like- Ask, can I, can I, I have to turn, answer a question with a question. What would you do if it was you and your family? What, what lengths would you go to if you were one of the, uh, one of the survivors of the 1,000 who were murdered by Hamas? What, what would you do? And, and unfortunately, Austin, what because, would you do if you were one of the 6,000 murdered by the IDF over the past 15 years? What would you do if you were one of well, their relatives? Well, I would, I would figure out a way to have, you know, extra planar communication because if I was murdered, I would be dead. But if it was my family, obviously I would want vengeance. But the point of this is, is a question is, is it ever okay for there to be collateral damage? And the answer to that question is, is if you, in, in a hypothetical scenario, 
were in danger or someone someone was putting you or your family in danger and there was the possibility you you couldn't even fire an ar-15 for the chance that you might hit an innocent bystander well, underneath the laws of war that are being advanced you, here you by the other anything side that the idf has done over the past two weeks anything at all well, hold on clint hold on one second I, I i think there's a big difference i think there's a big difference here uh between strategic uh ground battles and and missions and you know dropping bombs on supposed areas that ha may have civilians and i think that i think my biggest problem is that this that you know your argument of well i you know the uh the hamas tells tells these um innocent bystanders they're not allowed to leave makes it even worse you know i think that makes it right. worse that, that they're not allowed to leave and sure right. okay well now we can now we can blame it on you know now we can blame but it on hamas moral, because hamas wait, has made this josh, josh you're not a debater you're supposed to be just ask, asking questions oh yeah sure, the sure the, yeah. okay okay the point but the point of that is is that then the moral culpability lies with Hamas, not with the person who's defending themselves. The moral culpability lies with those who initiated force, and the person who and the people who initiated force was Hamas. So if there are if there are innocent civilians who are harmed in the act of self-defense by the Israelis, the moral culpability is for those who started it. So it, it's not my fault if someone raids my home to try and kill me and my wife. Exactly, it's exactly as I, I was saying. I, you, I, you are trying I, to make it so that history began to make it nonsense. If I fire in defense and I accidentally hit my neighbor's house, I might be responsible for uh, a charge of break of, of damaging property, right? But I'm not responsible for first-degree murder. You can't conflate these two concepts. We have, that's why we have murder in the first degree, murder in the second degree, voluntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. And until you can define and understand the differences between intent, then you cannot make good arguments for your side because you conflate, conflate, conflate. And that is the problem that modern libertarianism encounters and why people cannot take us seriously. And they don't trust us. The American people do not trust us to safeguard. If you're a political libertarian who actually wants to get people elected or, you know, elect more people like Thomas Massey's, people don't trust us because they believe that American libertarians, that the don't tread on me flag is a dead letter. They believe that we will not only lay down in the face of danger, that not only will we not give in to evil and not proceed ever more boldly against it, but that many of us will actually become open supporters of evil. And I'm not saying that's you, Clint. I am saying that there are many libertarians that I have seen making the argument in favor of Hamas. So my argument is, is that moral equivalence is wrong. Thank you, Jeff. I understand your argument. And I, and I understand the legal argument as well, as far as legal terms go. So uh, nothing else to debate, really. But I think that, I think that a lot of this uh, in the movement comparatively like our biggest hang-up is the fact that some people see the things that idf has done in history as also terroristic acts you know and so i think that's probably where the breakdown is and i don't know that any debate is going to change that between these two sides to be honest with you but well, I'm well let me let me point something out because you know austin austin said oh you're taking the un's word for it well the the 1947 partition plan by the un was to split the land 50 50 between the palestinians and the israelis despite the fact that the Palestinians were 70% of the population. In what world is that fair? I mean, the, the entire reason that they did so is because they had, they had in a really anti-Semitic way, Balfour and, and the, uh, the British Empire had perceived there to be a sincere threat 
by the Zionists to withdraw funding for their war efforts. So they wanted to to offer an olive branch to the Jewish community saying, hey, we're going to give you a homeland. Did it matter that they promised it to three other you know, groups of people? No, it didn't matter. But the Palestinians are now the ones that, that Austin is siding with the UN and saying, you guys don't have a claim to that land, despite the fact that three quarters of a million of you were forced off by violence. Who aggressed first, Austin? If that's the case, which it is, I don't even know if you know this history. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? Yes, the first act of aggression was committed by Cain upon his brother, Abel. So how far back does your history go? Could you just address what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I feel like my I mean, there's, there's no there's I, no modern I, I property like, rights I that go like, back that I far. Feel, so actually, yes, actually, well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because the concept of property rights, if you want to talk about it, when you were talking about 70 percent of the land being owned by the Palestinians in the late 1800s, you forget that before the Balfour Declaration or before the British Accords, the uh, that the the Jews who returned to Israel actually purchased that land and turned it into arable farmland, and they did so through private property rights and through homesteading. The, yes, the foundations, the, the foundations of Israel are some of the most libertarian foundations of any nation. More so than you could, you oh, could say. Excuse me. Excuse me. Than, that changes so right even, when the, when you use so violence. That the whole changes. Are you going to acknowledge the Nakba at all, or are you just t totally going to deny it? Speaking of violence, dude, like calm down and let home, homeboy talk. Austin uh, hasn't addressed anything I've had to say this entire time. He's just slung insults. If you could actually address what I'm saying, I agree that they started this process off in a peaceful, quasi-libertarian fashion through property rights. They did it in a way that was kind of surreptitious. They, were, they had already decided that they were going to start a, a nation and ultimately kick these people off their land. Um, but they kept that a secret uh, and pretended that they were going to be friendly neighbors. Then 40 years later, they start to turn violent against them. So I, I want to know if Austin finds that to be acceptable under libertarian paradigm. Well, it's it, unfortunately, we don't know who fired first, right? So it's hard for us to get a, a lock and say, well, the Israelites who were there fired first on the Palestinians. We don't know. It's, it's sort of like saying when the Americans came to the United States and the pioneers were settlers, who, who was the very first person to attack? Were the settlers first in America to attack the Native Americans or did the Native Americans attack the settlers first, right? So I, after we landed on Plymouth Rock, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that because I don't know the answer to that. So I think the problem, unfortunately, is that when you get into this, these kinds of microanalysis and you're saying, well, who do you, do you support them attacking the Palestinians in 1879? I, I don't, we don't know. We can't know that. We can only know this is, what this we actually This is 75 know. years ago, Austin, not 100 and plus. I mean, oh, well, there are people alive today that, that lived this. It, it, there were people alive in the late 1800s? No, the, the okay. knock was 1948. Okay, you're talking about the the Balfour Declaration? Balfour Declaration was 1917. Do you know anything about this topic at all? I'm sorry. So, I'm, I'm just, I'm, what are you actually asking, Clint? I'm asking if it's okay that three quarters of a million Palestinians were thrown off their land via violence and they were told that they it could depends. potentially return maybe. and then they the couldn't. The answer is maybe. The answer is maybe. The answer is all is maybe. Maybe it was. Was it right for was it wrong for us to throw the Native Americans off their land? Probably it was right. And the reason it was probably right is because of the way that we have a system of property rights that didn't exist for them. So if the if you're asking me if it's right or if it's wrong, I can only give you an answer to that 
based on the best knowledge that I have, which is that it's probably, yes, it's probably right because of what you described as the quasi-libertarian fashion in which the Israelis initially settled the land. They did it through property rights and they did it through homesteading. Just yeah, but like they only the American, took 30%. Just like, Hold on, Austin. They, they, but they, bought, they bought it up to 50. They bought it up no, to 50%. That's not true. They took 30% okay, well, through private property. Through private property purchases, they then were allotted via the UN partition plan up to 50%. And you know what they own today, Austin? 85% of that land is owned by the Israelis as opposed to the Palestinians. And Good. you're just going to make Good. a, a might mix right? Yeah, exactly. Good. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Might mix right, Absolutely. baby. Yeah. I support, I, exactly. I support. All right. Well, just just understand that there's a reason that the Islamic nation hates us because there's people like you that justify Good. their oppression. Good. Good. Bring, I, I don't, but the thing is, is that I don't care because superior civilizations. I know you don't care. Must, you don't care about the blowback that comes yes, from your fucking sick ideology. You don't no, care don't about care. the death. I don't care. I don't care. Exactly. Anyone who anyone who treads on me, or anyone who is my declared enemy or my stated enemy, if they come at the king, they better not miss. Inferior civilizations that do not respect property rights, that do not respect liberty, that do not respect the the views that that we hold dear, and that are declared war that have declared war against them and are declared enemies. Yes, fuck them. That's what I say. And that's that's why we have a Second Amendment. That's why we built a government to defend ourselves against the U.S. Navy going back to the, you know, the Tripolitan Wars. Jefferson built the U.S. Navy because he knew that that the Islamic pirates had fucked around and it was time for them to find out. So, yes, if you are my declared enemy, because like Osama bin Laden said, one of the reasons they attacked us. Uh, is because of our liberal views, because of the way that we treat women in our countries, right? Just like the same views that are held by the Palestinians. If you are my enemy because you hate me because of the freedoms that we offer, then yeah, fuck off. I, I don't care. That's not, and, that's and, not the and, reality and, of why they attacked us 9-11, and you know that. There were, there, were, there, were, there were over a dozen reasons for why they attacked. And, and I agree that our base in Saudi Arabia was an interventionist policy that we shouldn't have, but there were plenty of things... What about that the half a million innocent there. people that starved to death because of the blockade on Iraq? And, and, and that is wrong. But, but if, yeah, go ahead. We're on, we should be on questions anyway. Um, oh, it, it's disappointing that you guys are kind of talking over each other so much, but um, I'm, I'm just interested in, like, I can see both sides, but I'm interested in understanding, Austin, if you view, like, the people of those countries as your enemy or just the government, or do you view, um, like... He's been pretty clear, man. And also, like, do you think that... Um, do you think that it's actually possible for Israel to win? Like, if they if they bomb Gaza, like, don't you think that'll make the rest of the Middle East kind of really angry at them and, and want to attack them and, and lead to more war? Like, how, how do you see this ending? I think the answer to your, to your second question is is yes, I do think, unfortunately. And it's because of half measures that are taken in war. It's because of rules of engagement. Yes, unfor- it's be- yes it's unfortunately because- what? So your second question, do I think that it's going to lead to more terrorism? I think the answer is it's going to lead to being more hated. The way that they're they, they're conducting it, yeah, I do. I think that that's unfortunate. Well, why but do I think, it? well, because uh, well, what, why don't why defend yourself? You know, why why well, they defend yourself they, against active terrorism? It's a false binary. Okay, you're an imbecile. Gaza to defend themselves, right? Do they? Do you think they have to attack Gaza to defend yourself? Yeah. Well, I, well, you're asking me questions of, of tactics, not principle here. 
You're not asking a question of tactic. You're asking of principle. You're asking me whether or not they should do this kind of attack or they should do that kind of attack. So you're not think, asking whether or not they can defend themselves. He's like, asking you a Okay, like, okay. Is, they should only use. Listen, to, guys. God is so. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm. Guys, they should only use sniper rifles, and only those people who are wearing Hamas headbands are allowed to be shot from a distance of 5,000 yards, and that's the only legitimate tactics available to use. Guys, like, read a, a book. Read The Art of War. Read Sun Tzu. Like, here's the thing. The people are not our enemies, but it doesn't I'm matter. Asking, if they, like, but on, let me finish. On, let, you Charles, me Charles. Question. Let me finish. All right, Austin's going <laughs> to finish answering the question. Then, Charles, if you have a follow-up, you can ask Austin you to follow-up. For the love of God, this is this is supposed to be a debate between two people, Sorry, and I'm ask, answering and I'm answering questions, not not debating the people who ask me a question. The point of this is is to say that it doesn't matter if someone is declaring war against me, and they say, "Well, it's not the people who are your enemies; it's their governments." Okay, that's true to an extent, but who's sending the who's sending the soldiers? Like, what do you think the soldiers are? What do you think that the people are that they're sending to me? It's it, if someone is trying to kill me. I'm not. It, it does it matter if they're flying the flag of a government? Do they have to be an official government actor for me to say, well, this is my enemy, right? Or if if someone is supplying food to the soldiers, right, and they're bringing food to the front, right? That oh, I'm not an enemy. I'm just dropping by with a ramen cart to ensure that the soldiers have enough food, right? I I can't unfortunately create a weapon that can distinguish between the ramen cart and the soldiers. So unfortunately, I'm going to do what I have to do to ensure that me and my people are survive are going to be surviving at the end of the day. And it's unfortunate that the ramen cart salesman had to show up that day to bring food to the soldiers. But at the end of the day, he's supplying aid and succor to my enemies. And this is the problem that libertarians don't understand about the, about modern war is that modern war does not allow us to necessarily differentiate when we get into a struggle where you have, this isn't even a state actor, we're talking about a terror group that actually hides itself amongst civilians as their strategy. So right, we can't, what, what, do you, what do you say to the fact that, I'm that almost done. It, was, it was, I'm almost done. You go on these fucking monologues, man. Let me, let me actually engage with you from time to time. You've just talked forever and you don't even say anything. It's just well, fucking get, roundabout nonsense. Your, well, read a book. Well, get read a, read Sun Tzu as if everyone hasn't read Sun Tzu, okay. you fucking racist, imbecile. Racist. I'm Clint Russell, and I call my opponents a racist. I'm not a leftist, but you're a racist. You are a racist, oh, dude. You hate, racist. You, hate, you hate Arabs. You hate Muslims. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Bro, you it's, hate free Muslim oh, isn't a race. Muslim isn't a race. You're like, this is like sub What about what about you're, Arabs? You're a racist and you said Muslims. Clint. What about Arabs? What league? about Palestinians? Are they are they racist or not? That is different. You said Muslims. I said, said Arabs Muslims. and Muslims. Oh, you you but, got me, Austin. Hey, how about yes, this? I did. You can't I contend you. with any of this. You don't know any of the history of this region. It's embarrassing. You haven't engaged with anything I've said. Nothing. You don't do you even know that BB put Hamas in power? What am I supposed so you to said say? in Clint, 2019? You want me to engage, Clint? You want me to engage? What do you want to say? I'm not a race. I'm not a racist, Clint. Please don't think I'm a racist. I'm not engaging with your. You said you said I'm in alignment with white nationalists. Go fuck yourself. You use it. You actually okay. use the same exact racist. tactic. Oh, he's a racist. Oh no. I'm gonna call racist. on the next speaker. Don't voice. call me a racist. Whatever. I just you I just do. want the audience to be aware that he can't engage with anything I have to say at all. He doesn't oh, know. Anything about the history? Nothing. It's a racist. I do have a, a follow-up. <laughs> All right, Charles, what's your follow-up? 
I'm just wondering, like, if Austin, if you think that it might be in Israel's, like, best interest to not escalate things. So I, I, I've only, you know, recently started to get into the understanding of what their their actual battle plan is. And I read a column from Peggy Noonan from the Wall Street Journal where she suggests that it probably won't be in Israel's best interest to conduct a ground offensive. But I don't know if I agree with that for the simple fact that, I mean, if, if you have a ground offensive, that's much more likely to not result in civilian casualties because when you have an individual soldier on the street making a determination about how to you know who they're going to shoot and who they're not you might have fewer civilian casualties of course they can also use grenades and rpgs and things like that so it's not it's not a guarantee versus an air war right where you don't see really anybody you have to rely entirely on intelligence like lasers to guide the bombs that come in and it, it's a lot messier and more difficult to tell the good guys from the bad guys and then you know you do get collateral damage that way as well so there I, I don't know if there are good options for israel to be honest and if you believe like josh and i do that they have the right to defend themselves you got two options you can use air war or you can use ground war and i don't know which one is the better strategy because at the end of the day, none of us do because this is the fog of war. So I don't but have do a good answer think for that. Is the best strategy for Israel to be able to continue to exist over the next however many, like if you if you like Israel, uh, an annex, what do you think? probably an annexation. I think probably an actual vote. Like they probably have to go back to what they used to do and police Gaza, and they probably have to prepare the what citizens do you mean used of Palestine. To do? That's what they've been doing vote. for fifteen years. No, they, no, actually, they stopped policing Gaza specifically 15 years ago. It used to be that soldiers would be on the streets and act as a police force, but they actually pulled out 15 years ago, Clint. But, but not I digress. They've had, I think, they've had soldiers yeah, on the border for search, fucking search, this search, entire time. Soldiers on the border is not the same thing as soldiers on the streets. They, they pulled out from, from police Gaza actions. To Israeli citizens? My, my, here, possibly. And, and I think probably what needs to happen is they probably need to start conducting referendums. And they probably need to start using politics to change the minds of the people there in Palestine and give them the opportunity to actually vote for their own for their own leaders that aren't avowed terrorist organizations dedicated to the destruction of Israel. So, so probably what needs to happen is an annexation process that's undergone as voluntarily as possible with the input of the people who live there. So that is what I think needs to be done. They need to annex Gaza and give those people a path to citizenship in the only the only country there that allows people to elect their own leaders and actually has a Palestinian population within the borders of Israel. That's probably their best bet. All right, I'm gonna move on to the next. Lockdown quick. I just wanna know if you think that um, the people who were killed in Israel, do their families have a right to go in and, and try to hunt down the people who killed them? Of course. Why wouldn't they? All right, I'm going to move on to the next question. I'd like to get at least two more questions in before we close up. Um, top star, go ahead. Hey, thank you, Josie. Uh, I had a question for Austin. I wanted to ask, why do you think or do you trust really the IDF's work, the Israeli government and BB, especially when in the last 
three or four years, our own government has been misleading us, telling us lies. And for the last 20 years, they lied, us, they lied to us about Afghanistan, they lied us about uh, the Iraq war, they lied us about literally every single thing. Why do you think someone like me or an average American citizen should trust a government or any government about anything they say? Not saying that Hamas is great. I believe they're really, really horrible organizations should be diminished, but why should we trust another one just because one is so bad that we should give our whole trust and liberties to one and give them money and support them unconditionally when there are reports on Paris and everywhere that Bibi specifically went to Qatar and told them to fund them. And I believe that likely that because governments are shady. They do things to hold power. That's how corruption happens. I'm not saying that's the people of Israel, but the government is pretty bad. So you're, just if I'm being correct, and just tell me yes or no, is your question is why should we trust the government of Israel? Yeah, why should we trust the government of Israel on anything they say unconditionally without questioning, verifying, or being skeptical? Oh, well, I, first of all, I didn't want to, I don't want to give they, anybody they the, the impression that you should ever, you know, trust a government without any kind of degree of skepticism. You should be skeptical of all governments and everyone, yeah, yeah. including myself. I mean, and also, you know, I, I think, you know, if you miss, you may have misunderstood my moral support for Israel for a financial or military interventionist view that would be of the neoconservatives. I've never advocated for the United States to intervene militarily in this conflict. Oh, okay. And I don't and I don't think that and I don't think that the United States taxpayers should be forced to foot the bill to pay for this conflict. I don't think that we should be forced to, you know, inter, you know, to pay for the conflict in Ukraine versus Russia either. So I think that that really is a problem though and I think it kind of like arrives at what I think is the libertarians really struggle with is that, is that if you is that just because okay. people we, we equate moral support to an interventionist view and i think that that really is the problem here and if i if there's anything that you know that i can win on today in this debate what i really want to win is to help libertarians to separate this idea of just because i support an idea you support an idea morally means that you want the government to do it and a lot of people make that same mistake when it comes to american domestic policy it's like you know just because i support for example in 2016 when i debated gary johnson i said you know gary you shouldn't force jews to bake nazi cakes everybody gave me an applause but they missed the important caveat in that argument that i said i don't morally support the christian baker i think that you know, it's not nice for him to not make the gay wedding cake. Well, you know, I think that if if I were there, I would support the gay community and start up the biggest gay cake shop next door. And I might even encourage a boycott. Right? I, I encouraged a boycott against Bud Light, for example. But I didn't support the government telling Bud Light you can't have Dylan Mulvaney on your can. So I really hope that that libertarians will will start to compartmentalize this these these ideas better, so that we can say. I morally support Israel. I don't support the American government intervening. I don't support our taxpayer dollars being taken to support it. I simply believe that there are good guys in this conflict and that there is a reason to morally support one side over another. And that is my argument. Just, 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 just to one follow. What, what I understand is like you're saying basically you believe or that's, that's what you put your ideals are that morally and 
using speech as a way to push ideas out is it's what you're saying the libertarian should do based on morality rather than just government intervention and non-intervention and then saying oh then the government doesn't support shouldn't support this then we shouldn't believe in this cause anymore right 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 like yeah for example like ron paul didn't even like offer his his opinion on um on israel bombing the osirak nuclear reactor in the 1980s when Israel uh, attacked Saddam Hussein's uh, nuclear reactor, he was, I mean, it could have, you know, you could easily conflate Ron Paul saying that, that, oh, he supports Israel, right? But that's not what he was saying, because what he was saying is that there were all these American politicians who were on both sides of things saying, well, the United States needs to go in and they need to support, you know, give them F-16s so they can bomb Saddam Hussein, right? That's the Lindsey Graham position. And then there were the leftists, the you know, the people like the Rashida Tlaibs at the time or the Ilhan Omars at the time, and they were like, oh, this is terrible. We need to stop Israel. We need to protect them. We need to protect Iraq from, from Israeli aggression, and we need to tell Israel to pull back and not to defend themselves. But my position is the same as Ron Paul's. The United States government should not be telling Israel how to conduct their own military operations to act in their own defense. I be- and And... We should not be funding them with U.S. taxpayer dollars, and we should not be sending our aircraft carriers there to get involved militarily, because if they do attack us, if, if something does happen, a terror attack, for example, on our aircraft carrier while we're there in the Gulf, then it's going to lead to a bigger conflict, yeah. and I think the United States should stay out of it. I think that's, that's, that, but that's the issue, is that we're not, we're not staying out of it. That's the whole reason that I have given voice to the Palestinian argument, because if the American people are convinced that there is no legitimate grievance from the Palestinian side, then U.S. intervention becomes much more popular. That shouldn't be the case. You are, you are making this hard stand that the Israelis have a, you know, a magnanimous decision that they, they, they can absolutely just go and do whatever they have to. But that's not that's not the reality of the situation. If they okay, overstep well. their if they overstep their bounds, if they actually flatten Gaza as so many in our political world have have demanded, well then what does that entail? It entails a wider multi-front war with the rest of the Muslim world as well as Iran, in which case our carrier fleets, our strike groups are already in that water. You know what that means, Austin. Well, that's, you know no, what that means. No, I think what you're not advocating really the true non-interventionist position because the true non-interventionist position would be that it's none of your business either, right? So just stay out of it. But I mean, you have no, strong. The true opinions. non-interventionist you, position you is strong, the U.S. already has troops in you the You have arena. strong opinions. No, you have strong opinions, and you you've chosen the side. You've chosen the side of the terrorists, and I've picked the side of the good guys. See, see you can't you can't actually engage with my arguments at all because you're an infant. <laughs> you really can't. <laughs> It's hilarious. Really quick, you, you, I, uh, it's five thirty. You it's... understand that you can't engage, right? You know that you know that you can't actually engage because you don't know about the history of this area. Uh, another undefeated debate. It's... Thank you, Josie. It, it's it's five thirty. Did you want to take any more questions, or do you want to wrap? Oh, I'd be no, happy to. Like... I can go all day. This okay, guy, this I'm guy sorry. doesn't have shit. No, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I yeah. have a life. I appreciate it, though. Oh, thank okay. you guys. Well, thank you for being here. Um, if you want to tell everybody where to find you, you can go ahead and do that. So if you like this, uh, definitely check out the Wake Up America show, and you can find it on rumble.com slash AP for, AP for Liberty. And you can also download the audio version on anywhere you get your mobile devices. I love if people send me DMs on Twitter. I'm sure there were a lot of people who were like, rah, 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 go Austin, you're killing it. I see all the support out there. Thank you for that. 
please subscribe to me. Thank you. Thank you for that. I've retweeted a lot of you. Uh, subscribe to me on Twitter. I do help people grow their accounts here on X.com, and I do help support people to help uh, build their accounts as well. So Brilliant. if you were... If, if you thought that this was a really rousing debate win for me today, please subscribe to my channel. <laughs> Join me on the wakeupamericashow.com, and I look forward to talking to some of you in the DMs. Thank you very much, and I will take your applause and congratulations as I exit. Thank you, Clint, and the, thank you, Jason. The only thing that outpaces your ignorance is your oh, ego. Gosh, it is spectacular. All right. Clint, would you like to stay on and answer some more questions from the audience? I would fucking love to. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Austin. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take Have a great care. day. You too. All right, let's see. Okay, so if you have a question for Clint, you can go ahead and raise your hand um, if you're already a speaker. And if not, you can request to be a speaker and I'll make you one. I've got a ton of requests, and so it's nothing personal if I don't get to you. It's just because they all kind of go into your, like, a fucking mosh pit. All right. Um, okay, Professor Isaac, go ahead. I had I had my perspective that I wanted to share. Is this strictly just questions only, or uh, you can you can share a perspective. That's okay. Yeah, just my be brief. yeah, my perspective is if you're gonna use the might makes right argument, and it's not the 1990s anymore. You know, America is not just gonna bully the world anymore, and other countries have taken their time because you have to learn from your mistakes. Other countries have learned from their mistakes in the past by just strictly relying on one world power, Soviets or America, and now people be, the world has become more multipolar. So it looks like the neocons are pushing for war. I don't want it to happen. I want global peace. I want God to bring peace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.